The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of First United Methodist Church in Beaumont, Texas. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to love your city with the heart of Christ. God, we pray that you would take our ordinary thoughts and that you would turn them into something in which we can hear your voice and discern your will for our lives this morning. We bless this time. We bless this reading of your word. And we bless you because you love us enough to speak to us exactly what we need to hear this morning. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have you ever had the experience of seeing something that you have heard of or simply seeing in a picture or a TV show and, and seeing it in, in real life, like in person for the first time, and realizing that that thing is way bigger than you had imagined? Just having this sense, this surprise feeling, wow! I mean, maybe you visited one of the world wonders, maybe you went on vacation and you had already a magnificent idea of what it would look like, and then you actually get there. To be quite honest, sometimes it's not even necessary to be that extravagant. I mean, I feel this way when I open the bag at the burger place and they give me more fries than I order, right? You know what I'm talking about. It's like, wow! This is bigger than I thought it was going to be. This is amazing. It is an incredible feeling, and I pray you have that, you encounter that this week in, in some place, whatever, wherever you may find yourself this week. As we open this text, I actually want to point out that the lectionary text this morning uh, leaves out two verses prior that I think are very important for me to mention this morning. So we begin, and the text says, they came down. They came down to the plains. They came up, they were in the mountain, they came down to the plains, and they met with the people. What has occurred right before this, this event, Luke tells us that Jesus spent the night in prayer. He went up to the mountain to pray, and he spent the night there praying. And then Luke tells us that when this is over, when he had prayed and he spent the night in prayer, he calls up to him the 12 disciples that he would designate as apostles. This all occurs before they come down to meet with the people and do ministry. I think that's very important to point out. As part of the work in life of Jesus, before any person is changed, before any person receives from Jesus what they need, Jesus has spent the night in prayer, not praying for his work, not simply blessing his work, but spent the night with the Father and then has taken time 
to designate roles for those that go with him. There is an organization to this event. They know their roles, they come down, and they meet with the people. And this is where our text picks up this morning. And the other thing I want to point out is that Luke tells us where these people are from. Now, sometimes it's very easy just to see these cities and see these locations and just say, oh, that's nice to know. But what's very interesting about where these places are is that if you look on the map, Jesus spent much of his ministry in the region of Galilee. And yet Luke tells us that not only were, were there disciples of Jesus, other disciples that we don't know their names, they're there present. Luke tells us that there were people that came from Tyre, from Sidon, from the region of Judea and Jerusalem, which is in Judea. Now what you need to know is that Tyre and Sidon are sort, sort of to the northeast of Galilee. They're the coastal region. Judea and Jerusalem are south. In fact, Samaria is in between Judea and Galilee. So you literally have a gathering of people that come, you would say, polar opposites. From different poles, they have come to see Jesus. They've made the journey. They did whatever they had to. They, I don't know what they had to do to plan or, or to pay for this journey, but they made sure they were there on the plains when Jesus came down from the mountain. And why were they there? Why did they come? Well, Luke tells us very clearly, they came to hear Jesus. They came to be healed from sickness, from infirmities of many kinds. They came to be delivered from unclean spirits. And then Luke tells us, they came to touch Jesus, because power was flowing out of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a trip worth making. That sounds like a trip I'm willing to make. And I don't know how they found out Jesus was going to be there. And I don't know what prompted them, what compelled them to make this journey. But I imagine that on the way there, they already had a picture of what to expect. I mean, what other motivation would a person have to journey to a place other than their home to see a man they had only heard stories about if they, didn't ha if they didn't already come with great expectations. All this is going on. And then Jesus says these words. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. 
Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now this morning, I want to have a brief conversation about this word blessed. The Greek word for that is makairoi. And I think it's important to note Jesus's, what Jesus' intention of using this word. Because we, I don't know if you notice, it's a word, especially in Christian lingo, that gets thrown around just maybe a little more easily than it should. I'm guilty of this as anybody. I mean, somebody brings me a coffee in the morning and it's my favorite kind of coffee. I'm feeling kind of blessed, to be honest. But what happens when somebody brings one to Pastor John and forgets all about me? I'm not feeling very blessed. I don't know what I'm feeling, actually. But we have all been in the situation, and maybe you've had the same thought that I've had, where you see, <clears throat> excuse me, you see two different people going through a situation of similar nature with two different outcomes. One is a favorable outcome and one is not so favorable. And often in their joy and often in their gratitude, how that comes out in trying to articulate it to the general public is like, look how blessed I am. And we agree. But what about the person that didn't have the same outcome? Are they not blessed? And I don't think that's the intention, but I think the way Jesus uses this word is much bigger than we can imagine. In fact, as I was uh, researching this in a, in a biblical dictionary, I read about the Greek use of this word, Makairoi, it is a term that was used for the gods. Those that did not have to worry about earthly misfortunes or earthly frailties. They didn't have to worry about getting sick. They didn't have to worry about being poor. I mean, they're gods. And so when a person was said to be blessed, what, what we were trying to communicate in that is that that person had a share in that divine privilege. And so what that looked like was, well, things that bring you happiness. To one person, maybe that they were able to marry a lovely spouse. They are blessed. I mean, that is a thing of the gods. Amazing. If you have a lovely spouse, you are blessed. If you have wealth, you're blessed. Because honestly, you know, that, is, that makes things a lot easier here on earth. If you have wealth, you're blessed. If you have good health, you're blessed. If you have wisdom, you're blessed. If you have honor and you have fame, you're blessed. 
That is how the term was used in the Greek world in the time of Jesus. Now imagine how Jesus uses this term. It's very scandalous if you consider how people were used to hearing this. It wasn't to the rich. It wasn't to the healthy. It wasn't to the people that had nothing to worry about in the moment. No, Jesus comes down from the mountain to the plain, and he looks out at the people that were there. And I want to suggest that these words aren't arbitrary. These words weren't a prepared speech or even a prepared teaching. I want to suggest that Jesus said these words because when he came down to the plains, what he saw out there in the crowd, he saw a person that was hungry. And he said, hey, you in the back that's hungry, you will be satisfied. Perhaps he saw a mother that was weeping. That mother was there and had been weeping for her family, weeping for her kids, weeping for who knows what. Looks at that woman in the eyes is that you will laugh again. I love that. It's not, as most of us, when we are in a very sad time, we would be content just to not be sad. but this is the complete opposite. You will laugh. And to the person that was struggling to make ends meet, in my kingdom, in my kingdom, you get a share of the riches. Blessed doesn't mean that we have everything that we want. It's much bigger than that. Blessed, in Jesus' terms, literally means that we have a share in Jesus' victory. We have a share in Jesus' light. So that's why he can look at the poor and say, you will not be poor forever. Because Jesus holds the future. Jesus holds both the present light that leads us to the future light that's already on. That is why He can look out at those that weep and say, you may be weeping now, but you will not always weep. And how many of us that have weeped before have had the sense that this this is too much? This is gone for too long. (laughs) I don't know how much more I can take. But Jesus knows. Jesus knows that the weeping will cease because Jesus holds the future. Blessed means that we have a share in Jesus' future victory. 
quo. Woe doesn't mean that Jesus hates richness. And woe doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't like you to be satisfied when you eat a good meal. And woe doesn't even mean that there's anything wrong with fame. But woe means that what Jesus has to offer is much bigger than what we can attain for ourselves. Woe means that no matter how much success or wealth or really any amount of good experiences we can gather on this earth, Jesus is bigger than all of them combined, and that is good news for all of us. That is good news for all of us. Friends, I believe in this passage, we're giving a picture of the rhythm that, that really is the only hope for the church in the world today. If we are going to continue to be lights, and if that light is going to continue to shine, we must, we must go up to the mountain. Not just once. But we must go to the mountain all the time to meet with God. And we must call others to come with us and give them things to do in God's kingdom. So that when we come down together and we look at the people of God and we can look out and see the light of Christ in every person that we see and speak to the hungry and say, you will no longer be hungry, and speak to the ones that weep and say, you will no longer weep forever, and speak to those that struggle to make ends meet in this world. You are rich. The only thing that will empower that is that we continue to go up to the mountain to seek God. And every time that we do, I bet you something with everything that I have to place on the table, we will discover that God is bigger than what we thought. That all the limitations that we could once have thought of, that we can reason with all of the knowledge that we can come together and, and phantom and say, this makes sense. God is bigger than what makes sense. God is bigger than what we can see. And we're called to share that news. And when we share that news and the people are healed and the people are delivered from anything that troubles them in their spirit, when people know and hear that they, this is not forever because Jesus holds the key to the future, they're going to want to come up to the mountain too. And we get to take them there. And that my friends, and that, my brother and my sister, is how the church grows. It's not a marketing strategy. It's not how many friends we actually have right now that we can convince to come with us. 
It's you and I being so filled with the love and the power of God that it literally flows out of us that when people touch us, they know that we've been with God. They know that because they've known us when we are on our own. And they know that we, that on our own, this love can't possibly just flow out of us. They've known us at our worst. We can't, we can't trick anybody. They know that if we are the way we are by the transformation of the Holy Spirit, only God can do that. Only God. And I bet, and I bet when they see that, they'll be like the people that come from the north and the south and everywhere in between. I got to go see this for myself. I got to go hear about Jesus for myself. I got to go in touch with my own hands for myself. You know, this morning I was thinking about those people that made the journey. And the text doesn't tell us, but they obviously had to go home at some point. And it occurs to me that there's a lot of time to think on your way home. And I don't know this for sure, but I bet more than one of them said to themselves or said to whoever was traveling with them, and I bet one of those persons that said this was the one that was weeping. I bet that we're already laughing. That's they said to one another. You know, Jesus is a lot bigger than I thought he was going to be. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.lovebeaumont.com.